There's a lot of words that we'll use, and whenever we use them for men, ourselves, uh, or let's just say people, they'll have a certain meaning. But obviously, and, and we can use those same words to describe uh, our Lord and Savior. But when we do that, often, well, depending on context, the words might mean the same thing, or because they're talking about our Lord and Savior, they take on a deeper meaning. Uh, for instance, take the word king. Uh, we'll use the word king, talking about an earthly king, king of France, king of England, or wh whoever's got kings in these days. But when we talk about, when we use the word king to talk about Jesus Christ, obviously he was the king of kings. Uh, not just another king, but the uh, most powerful king, the, 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 the king of kings. The same can be said, obviously, of Lord of Lords. Uh, the word Lord and the, uh, applied to our Lord and Savior uh, has a, it has a much deeper meaning. Um, speaking of the word Savior, that's another one. If somebody uh, is saved from a fire, saved from drowning, you, we would maybe look at that individual and call him a Savior, uh, lowercase s, but the word Savior when applied to our Lord and Savior, uh, much deeper meaning because he saves us from the power of sin, uh, eternal death and hell, uh, it has a much deeper meaning. And, and uh, I prefer the King James English spelling of the word Savior, but capital S-A-V-I-O-U-R. Um, in other words, it would be the word reverend. Uh, you'll hear a lot of clergy, so-called clergymen that will use the name reverend. Our pastor doesn't like that name. He doesn't prefer to use it. He understands what people do, so he doesn't make a huge deal of it, but he knows that Psalm 111 verse 9 says that reverend is his name. Amen? Again, the word, some of the words that we use to describe ourselves or other human beings um, have one meaning, but when applied to our Savior, it obviously means something deeper. And uh, I think the word begotten is one of those words. And so uh, let's read, let's read Psalm 2. <clears throat> the writer says, Why did the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then he shall speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, and this day I have begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost, uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and, perish, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Amen. <clears throat> One of the things that I like to do 
whenever I read history is I like to put myself in the position or in the, uh, in the, in the place of some of these people and ask myself, what, what, could this, what would this be like? What would it be like to be there and, and hear these what, you know, words that were spoken or, or, or ask myself, well, now what, <laughs> when so-and-so said this, what were they thinking? And the same, same is true for Bible study. Whenever I'm reading scripture and I'm reading maybe some uh, Old Testament history, I uh, often do the same thing. Ask, wow, what would it be like to see Goliath whenever David confronts him? What would it be like to be one of David's brothers that's been out there in the field for a while and have the baby brother come up and uh, uh, you know the story? And, and the story, the story uh, continues, and you, you you might ask, okay, in this in this early part of the story, what could it be like? And then this middle part of the story, how would that be? And so on. Um, that's that's just something that I find myself doing. In Philippians three verses five and six, the apostle Paul gives his credentials under the law. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Uh, of the tribe of of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, per persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. The Apostle Paul knew the Old Testament law like the back of his hand. Can you imagine being the Apostle Paul? He's learned. He's he's, he's been taught this stuff from the time he was small. Now he's an adult. Uh, he knows the Old Testament law. And one day, the Holy Spirit reveals to him all of this stuff that he already knows in the Old Testament. One day, one, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. It's just stuff he's got in his head. And then the Holy Spirit reveals to him <laughs> the meaning of the thing. Can you imagine what that would be like? Um, we, we've, all got a, we've all had a taste of that. If we've been born again, we know... Uh, the things that we understood after that that we maybe didn't understand the day before because uh, uh, scripture says our spirits were, were dead and then the Holy Spirit quickens our spirit and we can understand. Uh, what would it be like to, to be the Apostle Paul when all of a sudden this light comes on? Or Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and we're going to be, you can turn to John chapter 3, we're going to be here for a while. But um, same thing. Same thing with Nicodemus. He's a uh, scripture says that he's a uh, Pharisee, and uh, uh, a ruler of the Jews. Uh, he's an, he's an older man. He's he may I don't know if he's an old man or not, but he's certainly older than Jesus. And sometimes I ask my myself the question. Didn't uh, when Jesus was twelve years old and he's in the temple, and he's 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 uh, he spent all or part of those three days talking to the religious leaders. Was Nicodemus there for that? I don't know if he was or not. Did, did he did he maybe remember Jesus from whatever it was eighteen nineteen twenty years ago? I don't know. I, I don't know. But it's but something interesting to think about. So anyway, you've got this Pharisee, the ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus. He recognizes that Jesus is a man from God, 
this Pharisee is not trying to trap Jesus like the other ones that you read about in the Gospels. Um, he's there to, um, to, to get some questions answered. He wants, basically wants a, uh, a dialogue with, with, with Jesus. And he asks Jesus a, que Jesus a question, uh, which, he, which Jesus completely ignores and even changes his subject. And in verse 3 he says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In the second verse, Nicodemus says, We know that thou art the teacher from God. Nicodemus is giving him a compliment. He doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he, he's, he's sure that Jesus is being truthful with him. He, leave, he believes what Jesus is telling him. He just doesn't understand uh, what he's talking about. Uh, in the next, in the next verse, he's, Nicodemus saith unto him, "How can a man be born when he's old? Uh, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born?" The word "how" is an adverb. Nicodemus is asking when he's talking about spiritual birth. Or he, uh, Jesus says, uh, uh, "Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God." Nicodemus is asking, "How? Uh, what is the manner of this? Uh, how?" Um, what is the means that this could be done? He's not being a smart aleck. Uh, he just doesn't understand. And Jesus knows he doesn't understand. Um, so he, he answers the question for him. He makes a distinction between the physical birth and the spiritual birth. And he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Now I want to take a little bit of time here just to say that speaking in the prison I the, the, the people out there have got every Bible version that you can probably lay your hands on and I like the old black book the King James Bible that's what our preacher uses but, the, but the, when I hear somebody and I do talk about the pronouns being so hard to understand, the thee, the thous, and the thys, they just, they, they say, well, I don't get it. And uh, every chance I get, I try to, 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 to make that clear and to, 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 uh, let, to make them understand that it's easy. It's not as difficult as, as we've been led to believe. When you come to, uh, well, the, here's, here's a verse. This verse says, marvel not that I say unto thee, Ye must be born again. There's in this in this verse, there's two pronouns, thee and ye. And all through scripture, if you find one that starts with a T, it's always singular. If you find one that starts with a ye, with a Y, it's always plural. Ye and you are plural. Thou, thee, thy, and thine, singular. Now this verse has got one of each in it. And what's going on here, you can tell. You can tell if you've got uh, the King James Bible, Nicodemus, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, but there's other people around. Likely his disciples are there. There may have been others. Uh, scripture doesn't say, but in this verse, Jesus is saying, marvel not that I say unto thee, Nicodemus, but all of y'all must be born again. Ye must be born again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, you'll see that that's important in a little bit. Um, the next verse, verse 8, Jesus says, 
the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell uh, whence it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. When we're born again, probably the, the, a person standing next to us, they, they can't look and say, okay, that guy's been born again now. It's not something that's visible. And Jesus is saying, so it is, um, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Um, he's, comparing, he's, he's comparing the spiritual birth uh, to the wind. You can't see where it comes from, can't see where it goes, but you can see the evidence of it. And when somebody's born again, obviously you can and you should be able to see uh, the evidence of it. Amen? In verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? He's Again, he's asking the question, uh, what's the manner or um, uh, how? Uh, again, he's not being smart aleck. He just doesn't understand. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Well, of course, he was a master of Israel, and he didn't understand these things. Uh, verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and, we, and testify that we have seen, and ye have not received our witness. If I have told you of earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Uh, that, to me, is interesting because obviously Jesus is right there talking to Nicodemus, but yet he says, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. I think he's very clearly telling Nicodemus that he is God. Uh, and if we're going to be born again, then that's something that we have to understand. Uh, before we move on, I want to back up to verse 12. He says, If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Like Nic Nicodemus was asking the questions uh, when he says, How can a man be born when he's old? And he's asking, In what manner could this be done? Or by what means could this be done? Jesus is using the same word, and he's, he's basically saying, Nicodemus. I'm going to tell you how that you can believe uh, if I tell you of heavenly things. In uh, notice in this verse, the, the word shall. The word shall always refers to the future. This is, uh, I'm not sure how early this is in Jesus' ministry. It's John chapter 3, so it looks like it's pretty early. Obviously, John chapter 2, the wedding at, uh, uh, the wedding at Canaan has already happened. But in the early part of this text, Nicodemus has talked about the miracles that he's seen Jesus do. So it may be a little while into the ministry, but the point is that uh, there's, been several, there's been several things that have, have happened uh, that Nicodemus has witnessed. But obviously, uh, Jesus hasn't been, he hasn't been gone, he hasn't gone before the uh, um, the religious leaders yet he hasn't been taken to trial he hasn't been crucified and he hasn't resurrected but jesus says essentially he tell he, he explains how he can believe one of these days when this stuff is going to happen nicodemus is going to understand the stuff that he doesn't understand now he doesn't get it this day but eventually 
uh, he does. And I don't want to give Nicodemus a rough time for that because, let's face it, if I was there, if you were there, we wouldn't have understood it either. Um, so in these verses, Jesus has told Nicodemus about spiritual birth. He's told him about being born of water and in spirit. He's talked about the wind. He's talked about descending and ascending. And Nicodemus doesn't under, still doesn't understand what he's talking about. But I can't help but think that maybe his mind wouldn't automatically go to Proverbs 30, verse 4, where it says, Who hath ascended up into heaven, or descended? Or who hath gathered the wind in his fist? Or who hath bound the waters in a garment? Uh, who hath established the ends of the earth? What is his name, and what is his son's name? if thou canst tell. Again, scripture I think is clearly saying that Jesus is God. Now Jesus makes the next statement. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. I can imagine Nicodemus saying, I got this. He's talking about Numbers 21. The, the story of the serpent in the wilderness. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. I, I don't think he gets it. I don't think he understands that either. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In Numbers 21, it was not, it wasn't uh, eternal life that was given for looking at the serpent on the pole. It was it was physical life, but now Jesus is telling Nicodemus, when the Son of Man uh, is lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. The next verse, verse John 3, 16, probably one of the most quoted verses in Scripture, uh, but remember here in John chapter 3, when Jesus says this to Nicodemus, this is the very first time uh, that, this is, that, that, that this, anybody has heard this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Again, Nicodemus, being a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, I can't help but think his mind automatically went to Psalm 2, our text, where the writer says, I will declare the decree, the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. If I didn't, um, when I was talking about the words that we use, talking about people like king or lord or uh, savior, when I mentioned the word begotten, I didn't, I, I didn't mention that. If you go, if you do your, if you got your Bible software and you look up the words begotten or begat, and you take away all of the ones that apply to uh, to to man, you know, like uh, uh, Adam begat Seth and Seth begat Enos and and so on, and Noah's sons begat their sons. If you uh, First Chronicles, there's some genealogies. So and so begat so and so. If you get rid of all of those. I mean, when I say get rid of them, I mean set them aside as far as study goes. And you look at the word begotten where it applies to our Lord and Savior, you're left with 10 verses. That's it. 
And uh, it's interesting that five of those ten are spoken by the writer of the, uh, the Apostle John, the writer of this passage in John chapter 3. And uh, uh, John, John 1 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1 18, No man hath seen God at any time, only, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. John 3 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life he that verse 18 he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of god that's four uh, john says in first uh, john 4 9 in this was manifested the love of god toward us because that god sent God sent his only begotten son in, into the world that we might live through him. So there's half of those ten. Uh, there's two verses in um, Hebrews. Um, in Hebrews chapter 1, the writer is explaining how Jesus is better than the angels. Hebrews 1.5 says, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. The answer obviously is zero, none. And again, besides that, and again, I will be unto him a father and he shall be my son. He never said that to any of the angels. In uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, the writer is telling us that Jesus didn't glorify himself, that it was God the Father that did. Hebrews 5, 5 says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that... But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. And finally, actually there is one more verse in Revelation that John uses to, well actually John, I, I think Jesus used it. I believe there, the words are in red whenever Jesus is talking about being the first begotten of the dead. Uh, that's a little bit different context. But finally, the, the last place that you see this word begotten used is Acts chapter 13. And uh, he, you can turn here if you like. We'll be here a little bit. In uh, Acts chapter 13, the first few verses uh, talks about Barnabas and Saul being sent off. In verses 4 through 12, Barnabas and Saul are on Cyprus. Uh, the next few verses, starting in verse 13, uh, Paul and Barnabas are in at Antioch in Poseidon. Verse 14 says, And they went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Verse 15, After the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogues said unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up, beckoning with his hand. He says, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. In the next few verses, Paul starts his sermon. He goes into a little bit of Old Testament history. Verse 17 he talks about um, the nation of Israel uh, being in Egypt. He brings them out of Egypt. Verse 18 talks about 40 years in the desert. Verse 19, there's a reference to Joshua. Verse 20, there's a reference to the book of Judges. And uh, verse 21, 
there's a reference to First Samuel. First Samuel. After and afterward, they desired a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of forty years. In verse uh, twenty-two, he's winding up his Old Testament portion of the sermon, and he says, "And when he had removed him, Saul, he hath raised up unto them David to be their king." To whom he also gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. So Paul is ready to start talking about Jesus Christ. For just a little bit in the next few verses, 24 through 27, he talks a little bit about John the Baptist. Um... The, verse 27, there's a reference to basically the trial that, that the religious, religious leaders put Jesus through. Verse 28 is a reverent reference to the crucifixion. Verse 29, and when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the sepulcher. Here's a reference to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, uh, as well as Joseph of Arimathea. I can't, I, I can't help but believe that whenever uh, at the crucifixion, that when Nicodemus and, and John of Arimathea take him down from the cross, he's obviously dead. Uh, the um, Roman soldiers didn't break his legs. They didn't need to because he was already dead. They take him down from the cross. And I can't help but think Nicodemus's mind may have gone all the way back to whenever he talked to him by night, and he hears all of these things about... Um, uh, what it takes to be born again and uh, uh, the uh, uh, Jesus ascending and descending from heaven and, and, and being lifted up I can't help but if, think that he must have surely he remembered that and thought to himself there's got to be more than this something this is not the end and um, Next verse says, but God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up to him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are, the wit who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings. Well, this is the Apostle Paul. He's winding up his, uh, he's getting toward the end of his sermon. And we declare unto you glad tidings how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. The sermon continues on for, for several more verses. But if there's anything that we should get out of this, out of this lesson, it's, it's this. If... If a, if a cult member comes to your door and tries to convince you that because, of the, because the word begotten is used in this passage that Jesus was a created being and they, they, uh, that's what they believe, that's what they'll tell you. And if they do, if, they, if somebody tries to, to, to tell you that Jesus is not all God Almighty in the flesh, don't you believe it. Amen? Amen. Because the Apostle Paul says in his sermon, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he raised up Jesus again, 
as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I forgotten thee. The word begotten is in, the, in this verse and the other verses also. It's not talking about his birth. It's talking about the resurrection. And uh, I think that whenever we understand that, I don't think that you have to understand all of that to be born again, but I think that if you have been born again and you understand that, it makes it, uh, it, makes it, 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 makes it more clear. It makes it better. It make, gives you something to hang on to and, uh, because God hath fulfilled the, this promise unto us in that he raised up Jesus again as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. I'm going to close there, but before I do, does anybody have anything they want to say or a uh, question they want to ask? Anybody? I don't see Brother uh, Kuntz. He usually does. If not, we're a little bit early, but uh, let's pray and be dismissed. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation. Thank you for your son uh, who you uh, gave to us. Jew and Gentile uh, as, a, as, a, as a way to be saved as the way to be saved um, Lord I pray for the, the, the remaining portion of the, today's service that uh, you'll bless that and if there's anyone here who has uh, never deliberately chosen to trust you as Savior that you'll give them the uh, clarity that that needs to be done the wisdom to take care of it take care of it before it's too late but I ask that in Christ's name Amen you can, you're dismissed.